Welcome to Brag Talks, the place where we dream big and brag about it and sharing praiseworthy stories. So I'm Heather Van Cura, and today we are talking about pathways to promotion in this season. And today we have as our guest on this episode, Stephanie Boyd, who is an entrepreneur who has a very exciting and fulfilling career story to share with us about her own interpretation of a pathway to promotion in her career journey. So welcome, Stephanie. Hi, Heather. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy that we are able to organize this episode today because I think you have a unique story and one that I think is the dream of everyone to be, you know, an entrepreneur and you know be their own boss. So I'm happy and excited that you can share with us how you were able to do that today. Definitely, I am more than happy to share my pathways to self promotion. Yes. Right. You don't have to wait for someone else to do it for you. Just take charge of your own career path. Yeah, that's the thing about being self-employed is that nobody's going to promote you except yourself. So, um, yeah, my um, I didn't start out. I, I've been self-employed since 2000. So that's about 23 years now. Um, but my very first job as a grown up was as a criminal investigator with uh, the Sacramento County Public Defender's Office. So. I really spent some formative years there learning about how the law works and the system and uh, evidence, arguing, interrogations, slash interviewing, building rapport, building, you know, working in the community and um, basically striving to serve my community in a positive way. So... That was my um, very first job out of college as a young mom. Um, and then after about five years of working on serious felonies, murders, all of the really soul-sucking, soul-wrenching um, types of cases, um, I decided to go ahead and transition into the world of real estate and self-employment. And I joined my family's real estate company in a very female-dominated office with my mom, my sister, myself, and various friends of ours from high school mostly. I'd say it was probably 90% women in our office. And so I had the opportunity to be mentored by strong women in my family who were uh, successfully navigating the world of real estates and mortgages and um, learned how to be chronically self-employed, you could say. Well, how did, how did you start to initiate that process of taking the leap, you know, deciding that you were going to take the leap from that steady paycheck of, of a job, you know, regular uh, income coming in on a predictable schedule to more of an entrepreneur where there's a little bit of unpredictability? Well, that therein is the scary part of being a self-employed individual. So what I did, which is what a lot of smart people do, is I had a spouse with a regular W-2 job that was getting a paycheck regularly no matter 
what happened with my business. Um, so it turns out having a support network is very, very helpful, very important. Um, but not everybody has that. And in the years of the past 23 years since then, um, I have become unmarried and I look around and see a lot of my colleagues who are definitely benefiting from having a spouse to lean on during these lean real estate times. And, um, certainly questioning some of my lifestyle decisions at the moment, but, uh, you know, having some savings is very helpful and a lot of having, whether it's the support of a spouse or a supportive family, I am lucky to have a very close and supportive family, um, throughout the years. So, you know, that always helps to have a safety net of some type or other, um, you know, side hustles don't hurt. There's a lot of things, um, you know, these days, a lot of different app-based things that people could do, certainly in order to supplement their entrepreneurial dreams. So I wouldn't say that um, not having a spouse is going to be a deal breaker on this. Uh, but yeah, just really um, at that time in 2000, when I was leaving the county, um, I don't know that I I if I would have not been married at the time, I may have had to move in with my parents while I figured out my real estate success. But luckily at that time, the market was great. The deals were rolling in. Everybody was buying. Um, it was much like the pandemic real estate trends where rates were so low. And I mean, at that time, back in the early 2000s, the rates were actually higher than they are now, but the prices were so low that it was still much more affordable to buy a house. Um, and now we're seeing another cycle where the times are leaning up and the interest rates are up again. So as uh, you know, any good entrepreneur knows, it's always good to be prepared to pivot and flex with the ebbs and flows of the market and you know have some multiple income streams and whatever that means in your life you know whether it's um your spouse's paycheck or your side hustles um definitely always advisable to have some safety nets going on definitely so yeah it sounds like your support network timing and then obviously contingency plans with you know whether it be support from um a family member or maybe a credit, a, an alternative know, an alternative maybe some people might take out a HELOC to get some capital to start their entrepreneurial vision you know um a personal line of credit from your credit union so there are ways to supplement this and get it off the ground for sure um Definitely crowdfunding or even venture capital in some cases making the pitch. So that's a whole other journey to go down. But for you, I'm curious also about the skills that you developed in your first job as an investigator and you know how did you leverage those and take advantage of the skills that you had honed as an investigator in your entrepreneurial journey? Wow, yeah, uh, I really was quite fortunate to run into that job at such a formative point in my 
career. Um, so as a criminal investigator, I was tasked to go out into the community and locate witnesses and interview them about the most terrible thing that ever happened to them generally. So, um, I mean, sometimes it was just, I witnessed a robbery. Sometimes it was that this terrible thing happened to me and I'm the one that needs to now come into your home and sit down with you and get you to relive this with me moment by moment while I take notes, possibly uh, tape record this, you know, and all in order to be used as evidence in a court of law. So it was pretty heavy stuff. Um, but what I learned to do was basically build rapport with people, um, get in the door. So it took away all fears of door knocking because for one thing, I would be in the worst neighborhoods typically investigating these crimes and I would have to go up to the doors with, you know, the dog tied up in the yard that's snarling at you and, uh, you know, just all of the kind of circumstances that would put a timid person back in their car and I just had to take a deep breath and go up to that door and knock on it and somehow figure out how to make friends with this person on the other side of the door instantly get them to let me in get them to trust me enough to uh tell me their story and so a lot of that you know came with practice and with you know just repeatedly throwing myself into these situations um out of necessity you know i i had to prove myself at this job so there was no time for fear there was no time for anxiety or trepidation there was just uh go out there get it done and write it up and make it shine and make yourself shine so i i think i was largely motivated by the fact that at that time i was in a very male oriented dominated field um and i was very young i was 21 when i started that job and the job that I got was the job that a lot of police officers wished to retire into. And so it was kind of my colleagues were like seasoned detectives that had been on the job for 25 years. And I was just a young upstart walking into this kind of falling into this job um, because I took the test and I test well and I passed the civil service ranks higher than their rankings. So they were forced to hire me. And so I was always proving myself. I was always just had to figure out the way to do my job better than anyone else because I was under scrutiny for being a young upstart um, and a female in a real male dominated field. So yeah, it was just all about finding that inner motivation to, um, be brave enough to just overcome all of those feelings that, you know, of trepidation and uh, just anxiety, what's going to happen on the other side of this interview, you know, um, I think a lot of entrepreneurs have a hard time going out and just talking to strangers for example. So I guess if I were to boil it down, really, the essence of how that job helped me was it got me real comfortable with talking to strangers. Not <laughs> yeah, I, I can relate. Um, I think there, there are so many male-dominated fields as well. I mean, 
for personally, I work in tech, which is also male dominated. And I was just at an event last night about women winemakers and the panelists were saying the same thing. So it is challenging, but at the same time, I think it does give you a, some unique skill sets that you can carry to other industries, whether they're male or female dominated, like in your case now in real estate. Uh, so you still you know, can bring that experience and the strength that you developed and the skills that you developed while you did those those other industries. Absolutely. And I mean, so go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that just kind of scratched the surface, but there's definitely a lot of parts of that job that were helpful with, you know, building an attention to detail and just a technical understanding of how to write reports and how to argue and how to put contracts together. And all of that stuff was just very, very helpful to everything that I decided to do later on in life. Well, it's definitely an interesting uh, field that you started out in. And I think it also illustrates the point that no matter what you're doing, you can find some skills that you're going to develop and you look look for ways that you can take them forward into your next career journey. Because I think that is so common these days to have multiple careers or multiple um, fields that you might you know, carry out a career in two or three, maybe even four. And you alluded to earlier a career pivot. Maybe could you tell us a little bit about what you see in your next career pivot, if any? Well, you know, um, I think it's always wise to be prepared to pivot for sure. And I started kind of coming up with alternative plans last year around this time, actually maybe last earlier in the year when the Fed started announcing that they were going to be raising the interest rates. So for a mortgage broker um, to have the interest rates go up 500 basis points in a year has been pretty challenging um, as far as getting borrowers qualified to be able to purchase in the first time buyer market, which is kind of my preferred niche to work with. I just love helping young couples, young families achieve their home ownership dreams. And so, um, yeah, they, a lot of them have just been unfortunately priced out of the market. So when I saw that happening, I started a few things. One of the things I started was um, the process of getting my insurance license. So I went ahead and did that just because I thought that would go hand in hand pretty well um, with the mortgage services. And I haven't really decided yet which um, industry as far as homeowners, auto insurance, casualty, supplemental insurance to really go into. And it's actually, frankly, quite boring. So I'm just kind of sitting on that real on that insurance license. Um, but one of the other things that the public defender's office prepared me for was to well, it just really aligned with my desire to be helpful in my community to kind of do outreach to the indigent, to the less fortunate, to the accused. And so one thing I did during the pandemic was a lot of um, community outreach in terms of serving homeless neighbors in my community. I teamed up with a lot of nonprofits and other organizations, and we actually founded some new nonprofits during the pandemic to um, raise awareness, raise funds to help 
um, our unhoused neighbors get, you know, basic necessities met and also to combat food waste and food insecurity. So we worked together to get meals out to people in the streets who were hungry when all of the restaurants were shut down and all the services that our neighbors would use for showers, meals, those types of things. Um, so I was really happy to be part of a community effort to mobilize some nonprofits and help direct outreach in the streets. Um, we also were able to train over 35 UC Davis medical students to go out into the streets and administer care to the people who were trying to shelter in place in tents, um, you know, during the pandemic, who didn't really want to go to the hospital and expose themselves to germs and what have you. So um, we did COVID testing out in the field. And a lot of that work helped me understand the process of working with nonprofits and kind of getting some skills in the areas of grant writing and make some connections in the com community in terms of founding an actual nonprofit. And so the next chapter looks like writing grants for another nonprofit that um, a good friend of mine has started. Um, and it kind of comes full circle to the public defender's office because this friend has a nonprofit called, uh, what is it? Born Again Brotherhood. So he is a person who did a lot of years in prison and came out to be a born again Christian. Um, he started this nonprofit and a foundation to help other um, people like him who've had incarceration and such. And he is actually partnering with a family um, friend who has a home in Africa where he has for 23 years um, sustained a village with 45 or so different people and families that he employs in Malawi, Africa, farming, um, raising food. And so my good friend is um, embarking on a journey to take his born again brotherhood to Malawi and teach English and also motorcycle and car repair skills to underserved villages in and around Malawi, Africa. So my role for that is going to be fundraising and um, grant writing. And hopefully in the very near future, I will also have the opportunity to visit Malawi and do some hands-on work in terms of teaching children how to read and write in English and um, maybe a little bit of farm work. They're raising chickens and goats over there. And so I also do love uh, farm animals, farm work. I've, I was raised in the country, so I'm always kind of drawn back to a goat farm. I never thought it would be a goat farm in Africa, but um, that looks like a rough outline of the next five years as we kind of pivot through this uh, interest rate situation that we're in. Um, the Fed sounds like they're scheduling a recession coming up here or they're finally admitting that we're in a recession and that it's going to take more recession to get the inflation to go down. So um, a little pivot into the nonprofit sector and throwing some time into grant writing is going to 
be um, really my next step and how I kind of use my skills that I've learned along the way from writing reports and negotiating contracts and putting loan packages together, dotting my I's, crossing my T's in terms of getting grant packages and funding together uh, for the Born Again Brotherhood. So it's kind of a similar line of work as a loan officer in terms of you're just solving money problems for people who need money and matching the person with the funds that's going to solve their situation. Great. Yeah. I mean, I think that's an excellent skill to, to develop the grant writing. I know I've enjoyed my nonprofit work immensely, and that's something that is a diff little bit difficult to find someone who has those really sharp and developed grant writing skills. So very exciting uh, upcoming things on the horizon for you, as well as excitement in the career story journey that you shared from investigator to entrepreneur. So thanks, Stephanie, for sharing your story with us and congratulations on your success. I look forward to hearing what the future brings for you and hearing about your travel journeys in the future. Well, thank you so much for having me, Heather. It was fun chatting with you today, and I'll look forward to chatting with you again next time. All right, and thanks for listening to this episode of Bright Talks.